Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, Episode 24, Songs for a Statue. There's many a of the scientist clan. I am Frances M. Lynch, the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre, and you are most welcome to this unusual episode in which the struggles of an inspiring Victorian paleontologist... Seems sadly not so far away from those of the women who fought to have a statue created in her honour. And no, she did not sell seashells on the seashore. This song has nothing to do with Mary Anning. It's just a tongue twister that became a musical song that many children learn in school as being about Mary Anning. The campaign to put up her statue came about after a conversation on Lyme Regis Beach between a mother and her daughter who wanted to know why Lyme Regis didn't have a statue of Mary Anning. It all came out of her teacher teaching the students about 100 years of suffrage and it was her teacher showing that photograph in class of the Millicent Fawcett statue in Parliament Square which is what triggered it all. So she's always came from it from a feminist point of view. We don't actually live in Lyme Regis. We live about 40 minutes up the road just outside Dorchester. An area where we've spent a lot of time with school children creating music and artwork about paleontology and Mary Anning with the help of a modern day paleontologist who was herself inspired by Anning. My name's Emma Bernard and I'm the curator of fossil fish at the Natural History Museum in London. I'm responsible for about 100,000 fossils. I help researchers from all over the world. I participate in exhibitions and also do field work in order to enhance our museum's collection. Yes, yes, I am Mary Annie. You will find me here on the beach at Lyme Regis. So I first got involved with the campaign to get a statue for Mary Anning when I was introduced to both Evie and Anya, who were the driving force behind the Mary Anning Rocks campaign. 2016 was when we started the committee officially, but it was in the spring of that year that we had the conversation on the beach and had the idea. I was really passionate because they said themselves it was really strange for Lyme just not to have a statue of Mary Anning. And we spent that whole spring trying to connect just to see if we could get support or advice and was just ignored. I have endured the bitterest trials. When I decide to do something, that's it. It gets done. And I think all the hazards and the things that were thrown in our way with COVID and stuff that was thrown at us, we just had to circumnavigate and find a way around it. Even Jackie Weaver would have passed out with shock with some of the rubbish we had to deal with. Yeah, it was really bad. There's definitely that female girl power alive and well today. It was just a mum and a daughter who just wanted to do some right for this incredible woman. It was just never an option that it was never going to happen really. The stars aligned and it was just at the right time to raise that kind of money. I'm Denise Dutton and I'm a figurative sculptor. So we work with the best artists. I was asked to express her in a sculptural form and I was given a lot of freedom, which was wonderful. We cannot thank her enough. She was a dream to work with. I already knew about her, but having read Tom Sharp's book... My name is Tom Sharp. I have been noticed by the cleverest men 
I've been recently researching a lot on her life and published a biography of her, The Fossil Woman, which was published in 2020. Astonishing lady. Astonishing. What she did just blows your mind away. In 1844, the she's visited by the King of Saxony, Saxony and his physician. The King of Saxony bought a fossil from me. And they went to Lemmiges specifically to see the fossils that were being discovered there. And Mary Anning writes her name in Keresi's notebook and hands it back saying, I'm well known throughout the whole of Europe. But how can she have disappeared I into history? I'm well known throughout the whole of Europe. And that was no idle boast or exaggeration. She was known in scientific circles in Paris, Berlin, Lady Harriet, Geneva. who was the wife of the mayor of London, described her as this knowing and clever woman who knew more about the subject matter than the men that came to see she her. She was an exceptionally bright woman. And I think that's the key to her being accepted by people like the Murchisons and William Buckland and Connie Beard. And the Dilly fact Beach that she was friends with a lot of people who were educated. An educated woman who was invited to their London homes and to soirees and dinner functions. Who took what she said seriously. She must have been engaging, articulate. She held her she own. She didn't fit at all any kind of model of the time. She transcended class. One day she comments that she feels she no longer belongs in the class to which she was born. Paleontology can be for anybody. It doesn't matter what your background is. I myself, I'm from a council house estate from a single parent family. So long as you've got a passion and a love for what you do, there's a place for you, I think, within paleontology. Mary Annie was born in the town in 1799 and her father was a cabinet maker. And one of the first people to actually start collecting and selling fossils. My father, Richard She was taught how to collect fossils by her father and she developed an expertise of her own identifying what blocks of rock would contain fossils from the slightest trace. He taught me how to see the curies in their hiding place. She was finding specimens which were unusual, unknown to science. She was experimenting with modern animals to try and understand the fossils. She was noting how they occurred in the rocks and the associations of different kinds of fossils. These fossils that she was finding, these are what we call holotypes. So this is the named specimen. I did some sketches to begin with and they looked at the sketches, decided which one they felt was the one that they really wanted to go for. I then started to build the maquette, a sculptor's sketch, a 3D sketch. I then took it down to Lyme Regis, where we met in a car park, because it was during the COVID times. The one that Mary Anning Rocks has, it's on tour around the country at the moment. That's the nice finished maquette. Mine is in pieces, covered with all kinds of marks and comments and measurements and all sorts, because you're going to larger than life size, and I needed it for reference for certain parts, particularly the clothing. Life and a quarter is the usual scale for an outside piece. Very fortunate to be at the unveiling ceremony off the statue at Lyme Regis last year. Actually seeing it life-size. It's almost a sort of Mona Lisa type quality And to just it. having the sunlight coming down on her face and seeing that sort of determination, that look. The expression is determination and persistence. Honestly, every step of the way it felt like we were 10 paces forward and then boom, 10 paces back. I'm constantly having the rug pulled from under us. We had lots of problems about where she was going to go because originally she was supposed to go more centrally where that giant anchor is. That was poo-hooed because we weren't allowed to move the anchor. I think it's a perfect spot for the statue. Finally, we managed to get that great spot where she is, which is just perfect. So it shows her walking off into the distance to go find some fossils. And that stride as well. She's walking quite purposefully towards the beach. The next year's money might come from what she finds that day. I think they've captured the movements really well. Movement in the sculpture is something that I'm very interested in. The idea of the wind coming off from the sea and the 
dog with his ears blown away. The dog is beautifully portrayed. I've seen modern dogs react to it. I started early, took my dog and visited the sea. The poem by Emily Dickinson is really bringing up images and memories of my own fossil collecting, going out onto the foreshore, up into the There's cliffs. a wonderful mention in one of her letters about being caught by the tide. Very much remembering that this is back in the 19th century, so would have been wearing apron and a bodice and her belt uh, going out there. I'm touching her too, because when it's a storm, I'm sure that spray actually hits her as well. In a way, the poem is quite evocative of her still. It paints a really great picture of what it would have been like for Mary going out along the beach, scouring the cliffs for different fossils. She's out looking for fossils. I think she's engrossed in finding a bit of a plesiosaur, and the tide comes in and she nearly gets caught. And he, he followed close behind. I felt his silver the key thing about that coastal section is that it's eroding rapidly. It was measured at the beginning of the 19th century by a friend of Mary Anning's, and Mary provided the details. The cliffs were being eroded at the rate of a metre a year below the church. Fresh material being exposed after every storm. I moulded the figure myself and then cast it in the resin and then put it all back together because you have to cut the piece up to actually mould it because that's quite a complicated piece if you imagine with her two legs, the dog's four legs. It's a beautiful portrait of what she could well have been like in her 20s. That statue that she did for Mary is just the best. Once I finished, the foundry get involved. They cut certain bits off and then they mould the rest of it. So it's quite a long process because they apply silicones to it. They then apply a resin jacket to it. The whole lot is taken to pieces. I'm left with the sculpture in my studio, minus the basket, the dog, her arms, and then I have to take the rest of it to pieces again. The statue is really quite a remarkable summary of the life of a remarkable woman who was fundamental in the establishment of paleontology as a science. The attention to detail in the statue itself. The paddle of a plesiosaur, which is the fossil that really made her the name. Small little ammonite. The skull and part of the body of an ichthyosaur. You see a fossil fish, a dipedium. A bellamite. So I think that really, again, just highlights how important she was. There are all the sort of things that people still find today on that shore. And I'm going to let you into a little secret that when we were working with the artist Denise, she said there's an area on the statue that's very hidden that I think you should sign. So that's what we did. She was cutting ammonites in half or polishing them to show the internal structure and also doing the same with bellamites. And we've got the prices of things like that as well. So. She knew more about the bones and anatomy of some of these fossils than most of the geologists at the time. I think as the campaign grew, it was very clear that it was more about the fact that, as a woman, she was kind of forgotten. Her determination is inspirational. Mary's female squad, her girl squad, middle class to upper class, women that guided her, helped her and supported Such her. Such as people like Charlotte Murchison, the Philpott sisters... And we also know that Mary and the Philpott sisters would have been exchanging fossils, then probably discussing what did they find, what did they think it was, sharing their knowledge as well as some of their resources. Because unfortunately, Mary was from a very poor background, but she was able to borrow books and journals. Her middle-class female visitors 
probably found her quite fascinating. She had a lifestyle that they just couldn't aspire to. She had an independence that they couldn't have. That This was someone who was in control of her life, which she wouldn't have been had she been married. The thing we need to remember is how much society as a whole was dominated by men at that time. I'm hoping it's changing, but I know there's a little bit of controversy at the moment because, again, a woman will get paid an awful lot less than a man. I do genuinely believe that if I was called Andy and Evie was called Eddie, it would have been a very different kettle of fish. I do think that there is still a lot of misogyny around what can women do and oh it's just a woman and a kid My role with Electric Voice Theatre for the Mary Anning project was to really talk about Mary Anning and the science what did she find and why was that so important So it was really interesting to see the children at the end of their project produce these amazing songs all about Mary Anning and the fossils that she found. All of that contributed to the larger song for Mary Anning, which was sung at the statue unveiling ceremony last year. So to see them all up on stage, signing the symbol for fossil, incorporating things like ichthyosaur and fossil paleontologists. To hear somebody that actually physically lives in Lyme Regis saying how proud they are of it and how much they love it. It was an interesting journey. It, and what Denise has produced is just so far above and beyond what I ever imagined. She put some flowers in her basket. I always knew I wanted to be very interactive. Along with a few ammonites. I want especially little girls to see her and fully understand her story because what she achieved and how she did it in the time that she did it is just so remarkable. A working class woman doing what she did in that era is such an amazing role model. It's a such an amazing story for little kids to look up to, to go, I can do that, yeah. Um, you know, just to see that final performance by all the children and yeah, the singing was amazing, they were so happy as well. have been listening to extracts from A Song for Mary Anning by the young winners of our Mary Anning Song Competition sung by the choir of Mrs Ethelston's Primary Academy and members of Electric Voice Theatre singing Mary Anning by Judith Bingham for Voice and Stones and I Started Early Took My Dog by Judith Weir. Many thanks to our speakers Anya Pearson from Mary Anning Rock the sculptor Denise Dutton, historian Tom Sharp, paleontologist Emma Bernard, and to you for listening. That's the end of episode 24, Songs for a Statue. Find out more at electricvoicetheatre.co.uk and join us for the next episode celebrating the first person ever to be called a scientist who was known as the Queen of the Sciences. Oh, 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 oh,